So when I set out to do the sermon series in Lent, uh, the beginning of Lent, I did not know how well it would fit. Uh, Oftentimes when I do sermon series, I take shots at it. Sometimes it flops. Sometimes it fits really well with whatever we're dealing with. Um, Then when COVID-19 hit, many pastors I knew changed whatever they were preaching on to move it to this. However, I looked at what we were doing and said, wow, is Lazarus fitting for what is going on around us? I don't know if you read my uh, devotional for this week, but I said that this is the lentiest Lent I've ever Lented before. I saw that somewhere and I loved it because each Ask Wednesday, I have to get everybody, so as, as Lent starts with Ash Wednesday, I have to get everybody in the frame mind of thinking about their death. I know that seems terrible to think of, but that's what Lent is. For us to say that death is a reality, that it's, it's around us, it's there, and we need to think about that. So Lent is a time where we think about death, and it's a hard thing to do because In our culture, we kind of ignore that. It's not fun to think about. We just kind of ignore that. So it's 40 to 46 days, however you want to say how long Lent is, of getting people to understand the finality of death. That's it. Uh, I wish it wasn't so easy, but it has been kind of easy to think about this with all that's going on in the world. The sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, were also handed something that they did not want. Their brother had died. And Jesus, uh, he did not show up to save him like they wanted. He showed up four days after Lazarus had died. And they came out and they showed their frustration with him. However, they also showed their faith in Jesus, that Jesus could do something. Jesus then said, this is all for the glory of God. Our passage today comes from John, chapter 11, 38 through 44. Here it goes. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. You know, most parents have sleep battles 
with their kids. Any parents that down, downplay that and say, ah, no, 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 we never really had sleep battles, they are liars, okay? My daughter, who was our first child, did not like to go to sleep at night. She could not turn her mind off, and, and we couldn't get her to turn her mind off, so we had some epic sleep battles with Nora. Um, so we would look at the monitor, we would put her asleep, we would think that she was asleep, and we would look into the monitor, and we would just see a kid staring up at us in the monitor. And we're like, oh. And she could not, she could not go to sleep without her Ella, her, her stuffed elephant. She still can't. And what we would see in the monitor as she stared up at us is her holding Ella like a hostage over the banister of the, of the railing of her crib, just holding it. And we're like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't drop Ella. And she would just hold it, and she would just try to get us to come back in, and she would hold it, and then all of a sudden, dropped Ella. And she dropped Ella. Oh, no, she dropped Ella. There's no way she's going to bed now. And then we say, you know what? We're going to tough this one out. We're not going in there. We're not going in there. We're not going in there. We're, we've got to fight this. We've got to fight this. And so then she stares up at us, and then all of a sudden she starts taking off her clothes. And then we see this, this tiny child standing there in just a diaper, just standing there. We're like, uh, she's, 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 she's pretty much naked except for a diaper now. Great. She's going to be cold. She's never going to go to sleep now. But we're going to stand tough. We are going to stay tough. We are, we are not going in there. Then she'd take off the diaper. She'd take off the diaper. And she would hold that hostage. And she would just stare up at the monitor with her diaper in her hand, holding it out over the railing, knowing full well that we were watching. And then she would drop the diaper. She just took off her diaper, and now she's going to pee the bed, and we'll have to change all the mattress covers, everything. We're going to stay tough on this one. And usually we wouldn't. We'd have to go in there and change her and put Ella back in and, and all of it. And then she figured out, in, in a tiny, tiny, tiny age, how to get over the banister. You know, this little child when a lot of kids are, are, are just learning to, to, to walk, she walked at a very early age, and then she got over the banister at a ridiculously early age. And so we're like, oh, she's going to fall, and she's going to get hurt. And so let's, let's take and we'll put it down to a lower banister and so that she doesn't fall over the side of it. And so it made it easier for her to get in and out. So... Then we had this issue with her getting right into the room and, and she would open up the door and down the hallway would she go. We put her back in bed, open up the door, down the hallway. She just wanted freedom. And so what we did was we put a baby gate right at the bottom. We put a baby gate so that she could open up the door, but there's the baby gate. Ha! We outsmarted her. But then she proved that she could climb over the baby gate. So 
we put two baby gates. Yes, two baby gates is going to hold this child in. But no, it didn't. It didn't at all. She went naked to this baby gate and just started yelling and yelling, Ella has to poop. There was a child that just wanted freedom. When it comes to our lessons on Lazarus, Lazarus is dead. No one doubted that he had passed away, that he was gone. There is no freedom in death. They laid him in a tomb, and he was there for, for four days. His body started to smell, and they did not want to roll that, that stone away because of that. No one will ever debate the finality of death. Death is it. When someone dies, it is final. Lazarus is trapped inside that grave, which is a hole that is dug into a side of a mountain with a stone laid over it. It is in limestone. Nobody's getting in that. That's what they did back then. And, and then Jesus commands that the stone be removed. As we said last week, the miracle is not dependent on the faith of the sisters. No, the miracle is, happens through Jesus, who can make the miracles happen. The people probably think that this guy is crazy. He's wanting to roll a stone away. Well, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a dead guy in there, and we know that he's in there, and we know that he's dead, and we put him in there. And this guy wants to roll it back four days later? This guy is crazy. Yet, I'm sure they were a little bit interested to see if this guy can actually do that. Maybe he can. And Jesus sets up the foundation of this miracle, that you will see God's glory through what he is about to do. My friend Steve, who did a series, and I loved what he had to say about this passage, he said that Jesus is, is not just giving life to Lazarus, but he's giving life to everybody that was there. You see, if you were a Jew at that time, you knew that the only way something that was dead can be brought back to life was through God. That is the only way. And so everybody there knew that the only way that someone is brought back from the dead and brought life is through God alone. And there you have it. This Easter, Jesus wants you to see See and believe. Because like those around Lazarus, Jesus wants you to believe. He wants you to be changed. And he wants you to live. Uh, and man, do you and I, more than ever right now, do we need to live? We do. We need to live. We have this interesting time in our lives and, and we are doing this this unbelievable self-analysis. Yeah, we're stuck in our homes, and we're having to just really kind of self-focus here. And we're able to see things about ourselves that maybe we are not able to see in the first place. Um, 
I have asked this question to a lot of different people, and, and it's kind of a, a, you ever play that game, a would you rather? But I have a would you rather for you. I've been asking kind of all my germaphobe family members and friends, I've been asking them this question. But imagine this. I gave you a pair of glasses. And, and the pair of glasses had the ability to see the COVID-19 uh, virus all around. You could see where it is. Now, if you had those glasses, you would also be able to see all the flu, all the cold viruses, all the other things that you can't even name or pronounce and things that you didn't even know about. So you would see all of it. Would you want a pair of those glasses? Or would you rather not have those glasses? And most of us would say, oh, heck no, I wouldn't want one of those. I'd rather just not know. You and I sit in an interesting time in history. We have been subjected to spend a lot of time with our own thoughts. So much has been wiped out of our lives. Work, activities, people, things that we often complain about, and we say, I wish I didn't have this and have to do all of these things, wiped away. They're not there and they're gone for the most part. You and I have a set of glasses that is actually helping us to realize what is dead in our lives. And we sit here and are able to kind of self-analyze as we go through this time and this moment in history to see all the dead things in our lives. For so many of us, work <clears throat> brings meaning to our lives. But is that really what's supposed to be bringing meaning to your life? Because I know a lot of people that lose their job and all of a sudden they don't have that meaning anymore. Is work what brings meaning to you? Or we think of activities, my activities and all the things I like to do and I load up my schedule with, that brings meaning to my life. But then they're gone. Is that really what brings meaning to your life? You know, people, then we say people, people bring meaning to our lives too. And then the people are gone and we can't connect to them like we used to. And is that really what brings meaning to your life? We sit in this moment in history where we actually have a chance to search. Who are you? And are you really living? After addressing the crowd, Jesus went to Lazarus. He turned to Lazarus. And Jesus yells out to Lazarus, Come out! It was as if Jesus was saying in a loud voice, like, <clears throat> Hear the sound of my voice. Come out and follow that sound that you hear. Come out, Lazarus. Imagine the confusion of Lazarus as he wakes up. He woke up from a tomb. He was dead. And now he is alive. Jesus is calling into your home, into my home, all of our homes. He's calling and he's saying, come out. Listen to the sound of my voice. Many of us sit 
in our homes, and right now we are lost. We have fear for the outside world. We have confusion about what is actually going on in our world, in our life, and what brings meaning to that. We're lost without our work, without our everyday lives. Maybe the gym, maybe that coffee you had with friends once or twice a week. We don't have it. It's not there. So we cover it up, our brokenness, with excess eating or drinking and, and behaviors like the problems we had before all of this crisis. We'll work it out later. We'll figure it out later. I just need to survive right now. But really, we're just showing that we're dead inside. Jesus calls out to Lazarus. Come out, Lazarus. He calls to you and I to come out. Hear the sound of my voice and come. Then he tells Lazarus to take his grave clothes off. I want you to sit with one question this Easter, but also the rest of our quarantine. I want you to sit with this question. And I don't want you to forget this question. You ready? What are the grave clothes that you're wearing right now, that you were wearing before all of this started? What are the grave clothes that when you are called out of quarantine that you need to leave behind? That Jesus is saying, take off your grave clothes. What are the clothes that you need to take off? What are the things that were the difference between you being a dead person and you being someone that actually lives this life as you were supposed to live? Maybe this quarantine is exactly what you needed. Not because you were afraid of dying, but because you weren't living in the first place. Jesus calls us out of tombs. He calls us into freedom. We were meant to be free. And sometimes the things that we surround our lives and the things that were in our lives before all of this were actually making us dead and not free. Jesus calls us out of the tombs, out of our grave clothes, into freedom freedom. You see, we see glory, the glory of God, in the fact that he raised Lazarus from the tomb. He raised Lazarus from the dead. On Easter, we celebrate the fact that Jesus was able to raise himself out of the grave as well. The biggest feat that Jesus did on Easter was not only raise himself from the dead, but he can raise you and me from the dead, from the dead that we have in our lives every day. He can raise you and me from the grave. And the, the, the graves that we create each and every day. So I ask you, what are the grave clothes that you are wearing? And when Jesus calls us out, what is the thing that you need to leave behind?
Jesus has been raised from the dead. And you and I can also leave our grave clothes behind.